This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 162. I'm James L. Rubart, but as always, please call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. And I'm Arlene Gale. And in this episode, guys, we're going to talk to you about ghostwriting, how it works, and how you can apply that to your career and potentially help you make more money. And to help us with that, we've invited Arlene Gale onto the show. Arlene is a writing coach and a multi-award winning number one best-selling author. She's ghostwritten hundreds of books and thousands of articles, and she's just released her own eighth book, Book Business Blueprint, Build Credibility, Stand Out from the Competition, and Skyrocket Sales by Writing Your Book, which in September became a bestseller. Um, Arlene, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, guys. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Arlene, let's dive right into this ghostwriting thing. Now, uh, people are familiar with the term. I, I Most writers know what ghostwriting means, although the definitions over the years, I've heard the definitions vary greatly. So, can you start off by describing what ghostwriting is? Give us an overview. Okie dokie. That's a good point. Yes. Well, I can give you my definition because that's what I work with, but I do hear people say different things. But what I've learned and what I've grown up in the professional world is understanding as ghostwriting is that you're just that. You're a writer who's a ghost. You stay in the background. You're not seen. You're not heard. You're not involved in any way, shape, or form in taking any credit. You just do the finished product. And there's lots of pros and cons related to being a ghostwriter because you're using your writing skills, your know-how to produce somebody else's product that they will then go out and take and claim as their own. Okay, so that brings us to the question of, I have some writer friends that say, there is no way I'm going to be a ghostwriter. If I have put all this time, energy, expertise, skill into a book, that person who goes out and says, I wrote this novel or I wrote this nonfiction book, there's an integrity issue there. They want, at, at the very least, acknowledgments in the acknowledgment section. Some of them say, if there's not with Arlene Gale on the bottom of that book, I'm not doing it. Talk to us a little bit about how that comes into play with you doing books and with other ghostwriters doing books. Well, it's not really an integrity issue. It's a contractual issue, really, um, because if you contract with somebody legally to perform a certain service at a certain level with certain obligations, then it's not an integrity issue. You're a writer for hire, and you're not to get credit for that work. And I can tell you for several decades, that's what I've done because I really didn't have a name and I was, you know, trying to pay rent. And so, you know, I have a passion for writing, but I wasn't ready to write that next great American novel, but I still did have to pay my bills. So I was a writer for hire. Um, and I think that's perfectly legit. And I think that's what other people can do in the meantime, while they're trying to write their novel or their nonfiction. It's a legitimate line of work. But I can also tell you from my perspective over the last few years that as the book writing business coach, I won't work as a ghostwriter anymore. I think that I bring too much credibility to the table. I bring too many connections and too much know-how and skill and credibility. So really what I see instead of ghostwriting, I see it as a writing partnership. And I do exactly what you mentioned. I will, you know, it'll be XYZ with Arlene Gale or the story told by so-and-so with Arlene Gale. So I think the writing, the co-authoring provides a lot of credibility to both parties because 
you know, the, the person I'm helping write the book benefits from my credibility and my social media and my third party referrals. And I, and I benefit from their network also. So it's really, I'm all about the win-win scenario. And to me, co-authoring is a win-win scenario, but it takes more time to write a book that way as a co-author, which is essentially a visible ghostwriter than it would if you just coach the writing process, for example. Okay, so you've touched on a couple of different things, pros and cons. Tell us uh, uh, your top three pros of ghostwriting. Tell us your top three cons of ghostwriting. Wow, let's see. So the pros. Well, a lot of people that I work with, they want to write a book and they've got great ideas and they've got a great personal story or a great professional story and they really want to write this book but they don't have the skill or they don't feel like they have the time or they don't this or don't that or can't you know all those reasons which you know are perfectly legitimate reasons but they're not insurmountable and so what i do is i i lay down the path for them and i help them overcome those reasons why they feel they can't write a book and I help them actually get it done. So that's one pro is working with a ghostwriter or co-author writing coach actually will take that book out of my client's head and get it on paper so it's actually doable. Um, Another thing about being a ghostwriter that's a pro for a client is they've got someone who knows the writing process who can lay it out and make it easier make it uh, more fun, make it less isolationist, <laughs> um, and and help them feel successful and start and finish. So I guess maybe the, the pro number three might be working with a ghostwriter breaks down the process step by step and actually helps a person not just start a book, but finish it too. So I think there's, you know, if you want a book done and you have any reasons or excuses for not doing it, whatever those excuses are, we can we can beat those excuses. So those would be the pros. Get it done, get it done right so it's marketable and sellable and make it easy and fun. Gotcha. I had a question about how ghostwriters get paid. Is it typically a one-time payment or is is there an ongoing royalty or is it a mix? What have you seen is the most common way that ghostwriters get compensated? Well, if you're talking pure ghostwriter, you know, someone who's contractually obligated to write the book or has agreed to write the book, but they're not getting any credit for it, it will be a a full payment. So the only compensation you're getting is what you're paid to write the book. And that's why getting a pure ghostwriter is really expensive because it requires a lot of time and effort from the writer. And they're not going to get any compensation other than the investment of their time up front. If you're talking about doing a co-author situation where I'm still serving as a writing coach, but I'm getting credit for helping facilitate that process as a co-author on the front cover or mention in the inside front cover, or I have my bio in the back of the book, any of those things, then it can be a lower cost than a pure ghostwriter. The way I do it is the writing coach is the low end where I just facilitate the process. Then the co-authoring, which is ghostwriting, but not all the way to getting no credit for ghostwriting, those are kind of my price breakdowns. So low entry is the co-author, um, co-writing is the middle price range, and then ghostwriting is the higher price range. And as a co-author, then I would lower my ghostwriting rate so that in turn we would I would get some sort of agreed upon sales percentage for the book, whether it's retail or wholesale. 
And by a high price, we're talking five digits typically for a pure ghost written book. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. If you get somebody who knows what they're doing and, and can get that job done, yeah, absolutely. You know, mid, mid five figures probably. And six figures if you're ghostwriting a book for a president or other, you know, A-list celebrity. Yeah, bring them on. I'll do that one too. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. If the if the author, uh, quote unquote author, is getting a seven or eight digit advance, the ghostwriter typically can expect, I, I would imagine, a six figure advance. But it takes a while to work up there. And often what will happen is publishing companies uh, will have kind of their go-to ghostwriters for the really high ticket books for for a-list folks yeah and you're talking about very different client markets because if you're talking the sports celebrity and the actors and you know musicians that are writing a book then they're going to have a publisher pursue them and they're going to assign them a ghostwriter i'm talking about everybody else (laughs) i'm talking about people who have a story to tell because they want to fund a nonprofit or they want to build a business, a speaking business or a coaching business or credibility in whatever arena, those are the people that I'm talking about. So the the below celebrity status. So Arlene, when you and Thomas were talking about five figures and low to mid five figures for doing uh, ghostwriting, I'm sure some of our listeners are saying, wow, that sounds appealing. How hard is it to get into ghostwriting? Because a lot of our listeners are novelists who are not making necessarily boatloads of money off their novels. They're trying to, and they're working that direction. But is ghostwriting something they can supplement their income with? I guess the question is, how hard is it to break in? How hard is it to get good at it? Well, writing like everything else, you know, the more you practice, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And so I would highly recommend that everybody write. And if you want to be a writer, a published author, then, you know, journaling for your own self, you know, edification and growing your own skills is a very valuable. But as far as getting into the field, yeah, if, like I said, if you want to write and make money because you still need to pay the rent, there's lots of different ways to do that. You can do magazine articles, television, um, advertising, production, um, newspapers. You can, there's all places if you look on the internet and just search writer for hire or say you have a specific interest, um, say robotics or technology or cooking, then get on the internet and search for online magazines or magazines that are looking for writers of those topics because then you can write those topics you might get a byline or they might just pay you for that article and publish it in their magazine but you start you practice the skill you build the skill and you're making some income and as far as ghostwriting a novel or another book I think whether you're hiring a ghostwriter or where you're trying to be that ghostwriter, I think you have to be very careful about hiring a ghostwriter that knows your genre and knows how to write it, knows what sells, knows what the competition is. So if you want to be a ghostwriter, I think you really have to be kind of niche. And like for me, for example, I write nonfiction. And my experience is in nonfiction, whether it's a personal or professional story. So although I read sci-fi, I'm not going to ghostwrite sci-fi because that's not my wheelhouse. That's not my strength. So if you want to be a ghostwriter, then what is your strength and where do you find people that you can work with within that strength if you want to do books? Otherwise, there's tons of stuff out there that you can get paid to be a writer for. Just look. And in terms of finding jobs and or finding a ghostwriter, a really great website that's a matchmaking service is called Upwork. 
And at any given time, you'll find dozens, if not hundreds of ghostwriting projects where different ghostwriters are appeal, uh, applying and, and, you know, trying to convince the writer, hey, I'm the right fit for your genre. And, and if you are wanting a ghostwriter, you'll have dozens of people say, hey, I write similar uh, to what you're looking for. And you can look at the reviews of people, previous people who've worked with them and they have different prices. So some people are going to be really expensive. Some people are going to be really inexpensive. And I've worked with writers from Upwork before, not for books, but for blog posts. And uh, I was uh, running uh, marketing for a dentist website and we were able to find a dentist who had like quit being a dentist to stay home with her kids, but was looking for work. And she wrote amazing dental articles for us on dentistry and like teeth, how to have clean teeth and stuff by an actual dentist. So it wasn't the normal like intern who's rehashing stuff online. And she was really happy to be able to make money while staying home with her kid. And we were really happy to have a real dentist writing our articles. And um, that's the sort of thing that you can find on Upwork. We'll put a link uh, to Upwork uh, in the show notes if you're interested in kind of exploring that more, either as a buyer or a seller. There's lots of ways to exercise those writing muscles, and I encourage everybody to do it. Don't just focus on one product or project, whether it's yours or somebody else's. Go out and write, 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 because you'll just get better and better and better at it. Well, this is an opportunity for people to do maybe some nonfiction ghostwriting and some fiction ghostwriting and some article ghostwriting. And it seems like this would be a way to increase your skill set exponentially and get paid doing it at the same time. Absolutely. Yes. It's, there's, it's a, it's a win-win. So I remember talking to somebody who was a temp worker and they're like, I'm trying to figure out who I am. And so at every job, I'm trying out a new personality <laughs> to figure out who I am because they get to have a whole new set of coworkers every few weeks. And well, that was a little weird. You know, this is a young person who's like trying to find themselves. And I was like, that's not a bad way to find yourself, I guess. You know, at least you're getting paid <laughs> for it. It's cheaper than backpacking around Europe and um, spending time in Amsterdam. Uh, in a sense, ghostwriting is a way to do that without diluting your brand. Because just like you said, Jim, you're like, oh, I'll write a little bit of this. I'll write a little bit of that and see what's working, see what you enjoy, see what is just, oh, my gosh, shoot me. I would hate to do this anymore. And that can be really helpful. Okay, Arlene, we have our listeners right now going, oh my gosh, this sounds great. I can make money doing this. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to get started. What are the essential skills that a ghostwriter needs to be successful? Attitude, skills, however you want to describe it. Well, first you need to be able to write. Um, duh. Uh, you know, yeah, it's a good start. You know, you, you, I think a lot of it to the basis to go back to the very beginning is you have to have a passion for writing and, you know, not just a passion for writing, but what is your niche where that passion fits? And there's nothing wrong with experimenting with different writings and different genres. I think that's great because, again, you're you're finding your style, you're finding yourself. And, you know, I talk to agents all the time who say that they can tell when somebody has submitted their first novel because their voice and their character development and their scenes will change like 12 times in the first five chapters. So, you know, that was really the point where the author should have been doing that for their own purposes and not trying to sell it as part of that novel. So really, if you want to be a ghostwriter or make money writing, practice, do it. And, the, you know, do it for yourself, whether it's journaling or find an article or something that interests you and just write about it. Just create a blog, get on social media, read other people's stuff and then resend it and and comment on it. Because again, all of that, that reading and that writing comes together to develop your expertise. So I'd say that's the first thing. Find your passion, find your voice, 
gain some experience. And when you first start out, I mean, if you're green at this and you're new and young and there's nothing wrong with being a ghostwriter where you're getting paid to write, um, there's lots of companies, lots of businesses out there that have newsletters or in-house HR departments that are looking for writers or people who are looking for magazines or proposals or grant applications. So there, there's lots of ways to get out there and write to make money. That um, and then you know you start you start little and then you grow and you may find well I'm good at this but I really don't like it so I'm going to try this instead and then you may say well I'm okay at this but I love it so that's where you're going to want to build your skill so it's just to me if you want to be a ghostwriter or any kind of writer put yourself out there and write and then put yourself out there and write and if you can do it for money as a ghostwriter you know what don't get greedy you know lay that turf lay that foundation <laughs> make your money let somebody else take the credit build your street cred and then you'll get to the point like some of us that we're talking about today where you know we may not want to ghostwrite anymore because we've done that been there done that and we've got our street cred but it's all about one step at a time and from a marketing standpoint if you are going traditional if you want to be a traditionally published author going into an editor or an agent and saying you know what look at my credits I have met deadline after deadline after deadline, and this is what I've written for. I've done this and this and this. That goes a long way toward that editor or agent saying, wow, they've proven themselves. I'd, I'd like to work with you. Or at least they're going to take a more serious look at your proposal. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Anything else, Thomas, that comes to mind that you want to pick Arlene's brain on? Well, I just want to say uh, doing this kind of freelance work, whether you're getting a byline or not, not only is it great at developing your career, but it's also great at getting some income so that you can start to demonstrate that this is a business for the IRS. And again, follow all of the advice that we give you when it comes to being a professional writer, keep your bank account uh, for your writing, both for expenses and income separate. Uh, so you, and you put it on your schedule C. Uh, we have a course on tax, tax advice uh, for writers that we do with an actual CPA who works and has been working with authors for longer than I've been alive. <laughs> and he's uh, very good. He's my dad. I, I, it's for those of you who have not heard that episode. Uh, but there's a free, every, every year we do a free um, tax Q&A episode. And this is one of the things that always comes up is that it's important to show some income. And a lot of authors feel like the only income they can get is from the novel. It's from that big nonfiction tome. And really, that really shouldn't be your first income. You should be trying to get base hits before you get your home run and no, it shouldn't. And, you know, you, you bring up a good point about, um, you know, getting paid and not getting credit. As you're ghostwriting, you know, the terms of the contract dictate how you can speak or not speak to what you're writing. So if you're doing a ghostwriting, say, for a bank or an insurance company or an uh, engineering firm or, you know, an architect or whatever, you could put in the contract that you don't necessarily disclose that I wrote this article. I write like many marketing books and website-based funnels for people. And I don't tell them, I don't tell my clients, oh, I write, I wrote this one or I wrote this one, but I can tell them, oh, contact this person for a reference. And then that person will say, oh yeah, she, she met her deadline. She did this, she did that without saying, oh, this is exactly what she wrote for me. So there's kind of some wiggle room in that ghostwriting def definition. That's right. And a lot of pages on the internet don't have a byline period. It's not like somebody else is taking the credit for your writing. It's an about page for a corporation and they need somebody to write the story of their company. And you're like, 
I'm a novelist. I don't want to write the story of a company. And like, that's, you know, that's true. It's, it's right. It's true, right? You want to tell the true story of the company, but that doesn't mean you can't work in the kind of uh, skills that would lead to a good scene or a, a good short story, beginning, a middle and end, a low point, dark moment, like all of these things would make an about page for a corporation's website way more interesting and the sort of thing that would get you paid way more than your typical copywriter. So think outside the box a little bit. It's it, a lot of, and also I would say, examine your motivations. Why are you writing? Are you writing because you want to change the world? Or are you writing because you want to be somebody? Because if it's all about you, if it's all about trying to be somebody, uh, writing is not really the best path to get there <laughs> because very few writers really become famous, right? You, you can sell a million copies of the book and you go to the grocery store and no one knows who you are. Like if you want to become famous uh, and have people stop you on the street, uh, YouTube maybe <laughs> is maybe what you should pursue uh, or yeah, or, or examine your motivations, period. Uh, but with with ghostwriting, you would be shocked how much power and influence you can have over the world um, just by sacrificing a little bit of credit. Some president said, I've heard this attributed to like half a dozen different presidents. So pick your favorite president in the last 50 years. They probably said it. There's no limit to what you can do as long as you don't care who gets the credit. And that really <laughs> applies to, not, uh, to ghostwriting or to being a byline, right? So somebody else has the big name on the top of the book and you're in very small font at the bottom. It's like, how much do you really care about the font size of your name? <laughs> it's like, or, you know, sometimes if you're willing to have a smaller font size of your name, you get paid two, three, four times more than you would otherwise. And uh, suddenly you can pay your mortgage and you weren't able to otherwise if you were insisting on getting all the glory. Oh, yeah, because, you know, there. I don't know if you, Jim, or Thomas have either had this been in this position in your life, but for me, there was a time in my life I just wanted to write because that's what I love doing, and if their check cleared, man, I was doubly happy. <laughs> I just needed to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, and not only it makes you money, and not to belabor the point because we already mentioned this, but this is an extremely powerful way to hone your craft. If you're doing a website one day, and then you're doing a radio spot the next day, and then you're doing a, an about page the next day, um, you're doing a nonfiction book or an article, et cetera, marketing, you will hone your craft in ways you never could, frankly, if you just focused on writing novels. When I wrote my blog post that went viral on courtship and I had thousands of people hating on me on the internet and was working on my follow-up book to that, I had a fortune cookie, a little piece of paper in my wallet for like the next year that said, he who gets the credit gets the blame. <laughs> Uh, because that it really is how it works. And if the idea of marketing, the idea of getting public criticism is so like crippling for you, ghostwriting allows you to do what you love, which is um, writing without having to do the marketing. Like if you hate this podcast, you're like, I hate marketing and I never want to do it again. You start ghostwriting. You may never have to do marketing again. Somebody else does all of that for you. There's a totally different path where you just do the writing and all you have to do is sacrifice a little bit of glory. You don't even have to necessarily sacrifice very much money. In fact, ghostwriters uh, probably are able to support their families in a much more consistent way, I would say, than authors because it's less hit driven. Whether the book is successful or not, you get paid as a writer. So it takes away a lot of that risk. And so for that personality type, and there is a certain kind of personality type, they don't like risk, they don't like criticism, they don't like blame, and they really are better suited for ghostwriting. There's another personality type that's like, you know, 
risk it all on one risky gamble and lots of criticism and lots of attention, man. I love that. And th- for them, ghostwriting will probably make them miserable. <laughs> and they'll also probably have a hard time subverting their voice to somebody else's voice. Uh, so ghostwriting may not be for you, but if you're that kind of quieter person, you may want to consider it. It could be a very uh, lucrative alternative to the traditional path. And, you know, I want to go back. Can we go back just a second to something you said about business writing? You know, because a lot of businesses, when they're writing a website or they're writing a magazine article to feature their expertise, whether it's water treatment or landfills or environmental, whatever, you know, they forget that it's about a middle, a beginning, middle and end. And so they don't do that. So if you're a creative type, um, they can really benefit from you because they most of those business people are thinking, okay, these are the skills, these are the laws, these are the this and that and the other thing about the business, but they can't or don't think about writing it in such a way that their client can understand what's being, um, the message that's being given. And so if you're a creative type, man, you could, a business could really use you to help loosen up that, you know, necktie and the way it comes across on that website is so dry and cold and disjointed. And, you know, what I teach my clients is that even if you're writing nonfiction, it should be interesting. You know, if you're not going to be an interesting character in your lead and as the lead in your story, then don't write it, <laughs> you know, you, the, the same tools or creativity that apply in writing fiction should also apply in writing nonfiction. It needs to be interesting. People need to want to read it. That is awesome. And that is a great place to, uh, to end it. Everyone needs to hear that. Whatever you write, it's got to be interesting. <laughs> Arlene, where can people find out more about you? Well, I would love for you to connect with me. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and it's Arlene Gale. That's A-R-L-E-N-E. And Gale's tricky. I know it can be spelled a half a dozen ways. It's G-A-L-E, Gale, G-A-L-E. Or you can find me on my website, bookwritingbusiness.com. I have a blog you can sign up for. If you go to the bottom of the homepage, I have a tip book about five ways or tools that you need before starting to write your book. And you can download that for free. Connect with me if you have any questions. I would love to, you know, help you write your book. Or if you have any other questions about getting and launching your writing career, send me an email. Let's talk. And we will have links to all of those places in the show notes. So go ahead and scroll down in your app if you want to check Arlene out at any of those places. Jim, who's our featured patron today? Our featured patron today is Mary DeMuth and her book, The Seven Deadly Friendships. Do you have a friendship where there's something wrong, but you just can't put your finger on it? Toxic friendships happen to everybody, but we seldom take the time to identify the underlying issues. Maybe you're bewildered about it. Maybe you're paralyzed so much that you can't move forward on it. Well, in The Seven Deadly Friendships, Mary DeMuth reveals the seven different types of toxic relationship relationships and empowers you to identify the messiest relationships, find out what went wrong, determine whether it's time to let the friendship go, and ultimately find healing. Mary, thank you so much for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, and we will have links in the show notes if you want to check out Mary's book.
And our sponsor today is the five-year plan uh, to becoming a best-selling novelist. Uh, this is the plan that the price is going up at the end of the year. So if you want to grab it at the current price, the uh, price will be basically doubling. So uh, this is everything you need to know to build your career as an author from a quarter-by-quarter quarter basis. Uh, we walk you through developing your craft. We walk you through getting an agent, getting a publisher, and ultimately launching your book. And if you are not a best-selling author at the end of the five years, having gone through everything and done everything that we uh, teach, you get your money back. That's how confident we are that this works. It is a lot of hard work. And there are no shortcuts here. This is just the fundamentals. Uh, so, But if you're willing and ready to put in the work, uh, you will get the results. You do get reap what you sow. And you can, again, find the link to that in the show notes. Uh, just scroll down in your podcasting app. You've been listening to James L. L. Rubart, Arlene Gale, and Thomas Unstad Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thank you so much for listening.